because we always return for the big news. This is MuggleCast episode 273 for August 5th, 2014. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 273. Micah, Eric, and I are back! Hey, We're boys. We're back, babies. We are. You guys are back from Orlando. I'm back from absolutely nothing. San Diego Comic-Con, Comic-Con right? if you count two weeks. Yeah, that was two weeks ago. That was so two weeks ago. <laughs> and you were in Orlando, too, though, not that long ago, weren't you? Yeah, in June. In June. So I, too, am back from Orlando in June. <laughs> but, uh, well, we wanted to do a new episode because, of course, Diagon Alley has opened up in Universal Orlando. J.K. Rowling dropped a uh, interesting short story on Pottermore. We just passed the Deathly Hallows seventh anniversary. Um, uh, the J.K. Rowling released a new book. Fantastic Beast now has a release date. There's tons of stuff to talk about, so we're going to uh, catch up on all the good news. Our last episode, I believe, was in March or April, mm. and it was right after uh, we learned that Fantastic Beast is going to be three movies. Uh. Three movies. We decided. That was podcast worthy. <laughs> so not four, not Here we yet. Are. Yes, they have not split movie three into two parts oh, yet. Jesus. <laughs> but don't worry, there's a good possibility oh. it could happen. I I think it's impossible. Well, this there's no time book because they're not working off of. Well, right. We shouldn't say that. There, there's no story that they're working off of, at least that's been published and then can be monetized at a very high rate, uh, like. Potter was like the Hunger Games are going to be and various other series that have been released over the course of the last several years and will continue to be released that's that's the hip new thing right split the last book yep into two movies yeah that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because if if JK Rowling wants to be relevant with Fantastic Beast she has to split the final movie <laughs> otherwise two. I mean I guess it is I guess it is kind of possible since Warner Brothers decided to, do, you know, they they had two movies for The Hobbit, and then they were like, "Well, let's do a third. Why not?" Right. <laughs> so, no, I, I I think I feel like part of the agreement with J.K. Rowling was <clears throat> three movies. Surely she she set some sort of rule with them, like, okay, I'll do this, but three movies tops. Yeah. I don't think they and, and it isn't it unclear like what capacity and, she'll serve in the second two movies like she is writing the first yeah i mean i i hope well, she writes the next two i mean i'm sure she'll write more yeah i guess i mean yeah. she's always got a lot of stuff to do so anyway let's start with um before we get to fantastic beasts let's start with um pottermore jk rowling uh wrote a new story like i said um following so it was written as rita skeeter uh because she was reporting from the quidditch world cup where harry ron hermione um uh, who else was there dumbledore's Uh, army right neville yeah right right the theme was dumbledore's army had arrived to watch uh the quidditch world cup and everybody loved this 
um, this new short story because it, it was written in the voice of Rita Skeeter that we've missed so much. Um, Rita wrote things like uh, Ron's hair is thinning. Uh, <laughs> Harry's hair is turning a little gray. Uh, Harry has a new scar that piqued people's interest. Um, that was Voldemort, the most exciting I, thing, I think, the scar, because she calls attention to it. She's scar. like, what could this be? Is there some sort of worldly peril that we don't know about? That's really the the biggest thing, I think, for people is like, is Harry off on another adventure? Right. She wrote, quote, is the chosen one embroiled in fresh mysteries that will one day explode upon us all, <laughs> plunging us into a new age of terror and mayhem? And think, J.K. Rowling wrote this. Like, she's just teasing us. She's just taunting. This is the thing. I think it's cool that she can just jump right back into these characters. And granted, we don't know how long it probably took her to write something right. like this. But I would assume it, it could even be something that she had had in her back pocket for a little while uh and, or clearly she wrote this specifically for Pottermore but I just mm-hmm. I like the fact that uh, you know we're able to just jump right back into the world as if you know that we as if we never left yeah exactly um well it is it is also like set present it's it's set presently it's set, set during the, the present time so the Quidditch World Cup is meant to be going on like right now or when the uh when the article was published so it's kind of like it's catch it yes. is catching up with Harry, Ron, and Hermione in a way that we hadn't really ever seen yet so far. Like, J.K. Rowling said what they end up doing, and I think that little other bits, you know, have trickled out. But this was like a news report about what they're doing now. And for that reason, it's cool, too. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time that we've we've seen uh, modern-day Harry, really. Although I think this takes place... See, so people read that quote, oh, is the boy wizard involved in... or is the chosen one embroiled in fresh mysteries? And everybody thought, oh, wow, so maybe this means that something is up. But then uh, I guess people did the math, and I think this technically takes place before the Deathly Hallows epilogue. So... That didn't really add up because if all was well at the end of the epilogue, uh, then yeah, you yeah. Know. I wonder if she'll uh, retcon that or something, <laughs> like give him a few extra scars, <laughs> but on the epilogue, like she'll have to go back and re-edit it. Um, you're right, though. That's 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 very important. I think um, it's like 2017 or something is 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 the epilogue uh ish like 19 years later right from 97 right something like that so because right. i know because there's this group on facebook where they're like go to king's cross and meet harry and his family like oh, the, yeah. so there's totally going to be if there's not going to be if there's not going to be a con <laughs> dude if there has to be a convention <laughs> and they have to get cutouts or something they have to get dan radcliffe and emma watson and rupert to attend Probably their first convention. Yes, I'm sure they will not be busy uh, in yeah, any way well, at that time. But I, what Dan, Dan will show up in a Spider-Man this? suit because he'll he'll just be coming out of Comic Con. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, what was interesting to me about this is that uh, they're viewed as such celebrities, and and again, this is coming from the perspective of somebody like Rita Skeeter, who's all about uh, the gossip and the tabloids. But I. I don't know. I, I there was something that just didn't sit right with me that they would be viewed in in this kind of light that they had this kind of clout um, among the wizarding community because I I wouldn't think that any of them really would have wanted that would have you know sort of embraced that to to be oh the uh, 
great Dumbledore's army has shown up at the Quidditch World Cup. Uh, you know what? I was surprised at first, too, at, at how public um, the Dumbledore's army, like, little, you know, phrase was. The fact that these people are known for joining this uh, subversive group, you know, kind of anti- um, government group in school but that ultimately like that's I think it's because they were right in the end and it had to be known you know in the years following you know year seven with all that crap that was printed against every single one of them and undesirable number one you know word just spread that they were in fact Harry was right along you know all along and, and Dumbledore was too and so I think the celebrity was really brewed out of that, the fact that they, they did, in fact, save the world, that Voldemort was, in fact, back, that plenty of people died, you know, fighting him or as a result of him. And I think that's where it comes from. Like, the word just had to get out and, like, kind of an, an un- unfortunate side effect was mm-hmm. was their fame, which is now detailed scathingly by Rita Skeeter. Yeah. And one of the other things, too, is that I think this is the first time we've actually gone forward in Pottermore where we've gotten information that's as you guys mentioned is current everything that's come before it at least from what I remember has all been backstory uh, or more descriptions about different uh, you know characters or potions or creatures what have you Uh, well so so all this Quidditch stuff that she's been releasing a bunch of Quidditch stuff because all throughout the month of July was the Quidditch World Cup or sorry maybe the month of June I can't remember but leading up to this, there was a bunch of Quidditch record, reports penned by Ginny Weasley, the Daily Prophet correspondent. And those were in modern day, or present day too, but it's not as interesting as this because this specifically references the trio and it's written by Rita Skeeter. So, yeah. You know, this is kind of like just one other thing. comment I want to bring in. Uh, I, I did forget about the Ginny things. Thanks for reminding me because I do want to go back and read those. Mm-hmm. But. Um, J.K. Rowling, like when this this particular article came out with Rita Skeeter too, like every news story or sorry every news site like picked up on it, and it was all the main ones too, like um, CNN and and BBC and stuff were talking about this new article. And I remember uh, one of the critics that was interviewed, uh, maybe like even over on like HuffPost or something, said, you know, I I as a, as a fellow writer of of, of J.K. Rowling's, I would love. You know, who wouldn't love to write 1,500 words, which is not a lot at all, and garner this worldwide attention as it was? It's only 1,500 words. Like, it is short if you think about it. If you think about how short it is and compare it, you know, relatively to the hype that is just surrounding this piece and how every single one of us was just, like, dying to read it, it just shows that she still has, like, a mega amount of power. She yeah. still got it. Well, <laughs> it's also it. it's also tempting for sites to write up this type of material because, you know, they can make a headline. Like, I think E! Online did a headline or somebody was like, Harry Potter is back. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God, no, Not really. stop. <laughs> but, yeah, Eric, that's a great point. I mean, everybody jumped on this story. Yeah, and, and I did myself. I mean, I immediately went to go and read it where normally – I wouldn't have if if there was just more new information that had been put out on Pottermore, you know, it's it's one of those things oh, I'll get around to it when when I have the chance, but you know, if you're talking about something that's new as it relates to the trio, I think that that immediately is going to spark interest and one one thing that actually did come up um you know, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we were in Orlando uh for LeakyCon um one of the uh panels, the discussion was about uh, should J.K. Rowling 
continue to release more information like mm-hmm. this? You know, is it yes. is it worthwhile? Okay, well, well, we now have Andrew's <laughs> answer and contribution. Uh, Honestly, I think everybody who went to that panel, like, no, none of them said no. Like, not, none of them said no. There was an argument that was running simultaneously about whether or not the stuff she writes can be considered canon. Or, like, if it's part of, like, extended canon or if it's just crap that she writes to write. But all of us want to keep reading it. No, what, it's canon. Yeah, of, of course. course it, I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. But others would not. Um, but... Yeah. There were a few people who who wanted her to completely stop right, and I think we should reference that it it was the uh, the Alohomora panel uh, that, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. talking about it, this. And uh, um, but just you know, I I'm all f- well and fine with her continuing to write and and to put out this information. I think uh, you know again, I would prefer to have an encyclopedia where everything is you know in one place that I can go and read, as opposed to Pottermore being this. You know, it's still somewhat difficult to navigate online um, experience, but there's a part of me too, though, when you go and you read something about Harry and his hair turning a little gray, it's it's a little weird. You know, it's like, do you really want to go that far? Do you really want to go to the point where he's, uh, you know, going to be sitting in an old age home I would somewhere say, in I don't know about Hollow? old age home? <laughs> Isn't there? Uh, didn't we do a joke once? We were talking about. But he's in his thirties. He's in his thirties. His hair ourselves is with already, hair really? gray. He had said he's had a lot more stress in his life than most people. Yes, that's absolutely right. And I want to continue with this discussion in a moment. But first, it is time to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service, which I always love during the summer because you get to go outside more often and maybe you're walking around, maybe you're laying on the beach or by the lake. Um, by any body of water, and you just want to close your eyes and relax. And maybe a good way to do that is to be accompanied by an audiobook. The book I'm going to recommend this week is a, uh, it's not going to be a surprise. It's The Silkworm by J.K. Rowling, a.k.a. Robert Galbraith. You can get the book for absolutely free. We're going to talk about it later in the show. Um, But it is an excellent book, and I highly recommend it. Uh, If you haven't read The Silkworm, then read The Cuckoo's Calling. You can get that for free from Audible. This deal will get you one book free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast to sign up for your free 30-day trial membership. Grab The Cuckoo's Calling. Grab The Silkworm. Grab The Casual Vacancy by J.K. Rowling. All of her post-Potter books are available on Audible. Again, audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. We thank Audible for their support of the show. Here's the other thing about this whole Rita Skeeter story. We we can barely believe it. I mean, we can even yeah. we can I, I because it's Rita Skeeter. You can't trust a gossip columnist. I mean, how do we know they even showed up at the Quidditch World Cup? Well, Andrew, it's all fiction anyway. Who cares? Well, that's a good point. But still, I mean, this did you fiction. Just answer yourself? <laughs> yes, I did. I mean, because I know that's what some people are thinking. The news has finally this, gotten this to is... him. There's so much going on in the world that Andrew has split himself into two people so as to better cover all the news in the fandoms. And he answers his own questions now. Micah, we don't need to be on this podcast. Yeah, we're, we're going to go. <laughs> no, look, I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's a, it's a, I just 
just I was thinking about this on the day it happened. I mean, everybody's getting so excited about a story by Rita Skeeter, who's very well known for making stuff up. So even though, you know, we can look at the story and be like, oh, Harry's Harry is his he has some gray hairs already. Ron's hair is thinning. Harry has a new scar. Can we actually believe these things? We don't know. Yeah, she she throws shade on everybody, and that includes – I did want to bring this up – Neville Longbottom and his wife, Hannah Abbott. Um, And she actually says that they're alcoholics, that they drink a little bit more than they should considering they both uh, work at Hogwarts and teach or shepherd our children. Uh, it's it's a bit ridiculous, really, when you think of like all the stuff that that she says, and you look more co- like closely at it. It's it's you can sense, and it's kind of brilliant because you can sense she's just bitter about the whole situation. I'm surprised that she still has a job, but you know that's that's just, I guess, freedom of the press for you. But uh, yeah, I I think that especially what she said about Neville and Hannah I was just like, wow, she's she's reaching to like dig at at everyone here. Um, it wasn't, yeah, wasn't entirely comfortable to read. It was very enjoyable, but, um, you just wonder like, man, where does she get off here? This is just, this is ridiculous. And I think that anybody who is <laughs> overly on Harry's side would easily, you know, see through all of her ra- random digs. So some people were hoping to, uh, for JK Rowling to do something for the seventh anniversary of Deathly Hallows. Um, you know, maybe a, 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 a nice little tweet, maybe something on Facebook, maybe a book announcement, maybe something. <laughs> I mean, seven. We all know that the number seven is so important in the Harry Potter series, so it kind of seemed appropriate for something to happen on the seventh anniversary of Deathly Hallows being published. Um, but nothing really did happen. Although uh, Pottermore, they did release the final Goblet of Fire chapters. And that means that now we all have to look forward to um, Order of the Phoenix, which is personally my favorite book. But I wanted to say that uh, with this update on Pottermore, the Rita Skeeter book that was teased in this Daily Prophet article we've been talking about um, calling Dumbled- called Dumbledore's Army the Dark Side of the Dabam. D- D- no, how do you pronounce that? Dabam? D- uh... I'm look- I'm looking at the title really small right now, so I can't yeah I read couldn't what read honestly said. the picture's not that good it's script so it's hard to yeah so yeah. so they added it to the Pottermore like virtual store in Diagon Alley but you can't open it or anything you just buy it and the cover's there and that's it so I was kind of disappointed I was hoping we'd be able to at least like open up the book and read a chapter or something that would have been cool right um. But nothing like that. So, um, <laughs> by the way, in those Goblet of Fire chapters, she did say that um, she did talk about owls and um, how she was uneducated about snowy owls when she started writing the books. And uh, she wrote about uh, how wizards handle magical illnesses. She wrote about the Great Lake and a couple other things. So, How did she not know that owls do not eat bacon? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Hedwig's got to do something when she lands and delivers the mail. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. You can't know everything well, about which you write, can you? <laughs> no, I, but I mean, I, I think, again, you know, something like that where she said she wasn't as educated. I mean, I'm interested to know what listeners think. Do you, would you even want to know about that? I mean, mm. part of the the magic, you know, of, of the series is, is that, who would ever even research the fact that 
an owl um, the type of <laughs> well uh, uh, of Hedwig is actually diurnal, so yeah. she flies during well, the day. She says, as, and, but we know she doesn't because she flies. She at says the night that people did write to her. I mean, if your books are this widely read, there are right, people. People, let me let me yeah. explain something. If you have a problem with. <laughs> You know what? It's not even worth it. <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. People wrote to her, dude. I'm just saying. She's just she's just correcting an error. She's just admitting that she was wrong, and it, it's not over anything controversial. Like it it is small. But again, it goes back to what I was saying before, though. Do you you know the, the writer admitting mistakes? Do you do you want to know that that she made these types of mistakes in the series? Like, does it is it going to somehow change your perspective on your going through the series again should you know when you reread it you know, are you going to be thinking in the back of your mind damn it Hedwig get get rid of the damn bacon or you know <laughs> that's stop, not stop realistic you're a mute bird well, I, you know like I, I think I there's mean, something to be said for going it's just through. fun behind the scenes info yeah. I think. Uh, yeah it's just meant to be yeah, like a, a tidbit thing like oh hey by the way I thought it was interesting yeah. Yeah. I'm just playing I, I don't know what your kid. issue is I think it's sure it's cool. Um, so I thought before we talk about J.K. Rowling's um, or the other Potter news, we could talk about something J.K. Rowling did publish this summer, and that is The Silkworm, her second book in the Cormoran Strike series. The first book, of course, was called The Cuckoo's Calling. We all remember how she um, she released the book under a pseudonym, Robert Galbraith, last year. It was very exciting because the book was sitting on bookstore shelves for a while. We didn't know it. And then <clears throat> the news leaked. And anyway, now the second book is published also by Robert Galbraith. She's sticking with that pseudonym, which I think is a cool, cool thing. And uh, have you guys read it? Yes. Oh, great. Did you too, Eric? I did not. Oh, okay. Have you read the first one? I have not finished reading the first one. They're really good. I, is this I a casual really... vacancy trend? <laughs> I think it's just J.K. Rowling post-Potter trend for me, but I, I absolutely do. Well, I do want to read them. Everybody well, says it's awesome. I will say the the first one, right, the the Cuckoo's Calling, I, I thought that it was much improved upon uh, in The Silkworm uh, mm-hmm. because there was just something about the way that the the reveal of, of the killer took place uh, in The Silkworm that I thought was much better uh, than what happened towards the end of Cuckoo's Calling. I thought, you know, it didn't pack as much of a punch. I'm not trying to, you know, downplay it and, and say you shouldn't go and read it because I think you should because I think one of the things that Rowling continues to do so well that we've come to know her for is develop her characters. Uh, and I think that uh, Cormoran Strike uh, is, you know, continues to become this this figure, the, this you know, kind of interesting sleuth um, that will we'll follow throughout um, an entire series now. So, uh, you know, I think it's um, it's definitely worth a read. I, I, there's no good reason why I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I'll, I will admit that 100%. There's no good reason. I feel ashamed coming onto this podcast. When I saw that was in the document, I considered resigning. So I, it's just I'm embarrassed, but I didn't read it yet, and I will sometime well i agree with micah it was um very i thought it was i thought it was a step up over the cuckoo's calling uh it just when i read her books i'm just continually reminded uh, of the great level of detail that she writes with it's just such a pleasure to read her words 
And um, <clears throat> I like how this one um, uh, played out over the course of the book. I loved the ending. Just like with the first book, it, it's kind of like an action-packed ending. It feels like it feels like she saves these big, quote-unquote, big action scenes for the very end. You don't really see them throughout the uh, the rest of the book, which is okay because it's still an interesting story. I love the uh, overarching plot lines that are coming through the series on a whole. I mean, <clears throat> she has um, she uh, this this whole plot line with Robin and her husband is uh, very well, not husband. That may have been a spoiler. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, oh, but that whole thing, Robin and, and her man, that whole thing is interesting. They're engaged, uh, right? They're getting. Married. Yeah. Cormoran's life in general outside of. Yeah, Cormoran's work outside of his life and outside of his work is interesting. So, a bunch of uh, interesting plot lines, and again, it's just such a pleasure to read her writing. It this book is a little shorter than the first one. I noticed that immediately upon picking it up. Um, this one focuses on journalism and the literature world, which was interesting to read because you can't help but feel like J.K. Rowling inserted some of her own personal experiences or um, ideas of the, of the literature world into this book. You know, I felt that um, way about Cuckoo's Calling, too, because it was a celebrity that had died. And I thought, well, you know, she's clearly talking about, like, paparazzi and stuff in there, just in the beginning that I read. Um, but it seems yeah, like she's um, done that again with having the – isn't the victim an author now? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um okay. the cool. I wrote on the MuggleCast Facebook page I was asking um people to write in with some questions for today's show and Katie wrote in asking what are your thoughts on the theme of the definition of literature and the nature of publishing in the silkworm. Uh Micah, did you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I love how you just threw that to me. <laughs> but uh I would just echo what you already said. I mean, I think there are probably some very strong um, personal experiences that were um, included, if if not experiences, maybe just um, you know even personal feelings of of having seen others go through, just the struggles I think of what it takes to publish uh, a piece of literature, and I think that that was definitely um, front and center, um, and the whole plot kind of ties into that, and uh, I I think that probably moving forward we'll get less character development and probably a little bit more action because I think that now in these first two books the characters of Robin and Cormoran mm. have have really been solidly established. I'm sure there's more we'll continue to learn about both of them but I feel like um, especially in this book I, I felt like we got a lot of insight into Robin and, and her background and her family um, and her uh, relationship and you know, and, and with her with her fiance, but also with Cormoran, and I, it's interesting to see how that relationship uh, continues to grow without you know giving anything away. I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of develops along with uh, you know whatever the next case may be. And and I thought the other thing that was really cool about this uh, particular book was seeing Robin sort of become more of the detective. Um, mm -hmm. you know, really kind of coming into her own and, and you, you find out, you know, really why she wanted the job in the first place was to pursue this career path. So 
uh, you know, is she going to kind of become this um, Watson to Cormoran's Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. And that, that's another arc that is going to play out beautifully, I think. And J.K. Rowling did make one appearance to promote the Silkworm. Uh, she was dressed in a suit and tie, which I thought was great. Some people were, <laughs> I think, jokingly thinking that she may wear like a mustache because, you know, crime and whatever. But uh, she did wear a suit and tie, which was kind of cool. And she revealed that she has many books planned. More than seven of these yeah. books are coming. So... This is a big series. If you're if you're a J.K. Rowling fan and you like mysteries or whodunits, definitely start reading them because there's going to be many of them, and you're going to keep hearing about these. So, <laughs> and and just going back to the question that you had from Facebook, I mean, I think there's going to be people who are really going to jump into the detail of what happens in this book, specifically as it relates um, to the the murder, and I'm sure there's a ton of literary. Uh, tie-ins and you know uh, analogies that can be made so I mean I'm personally not well versed enough to try even try and do that but you know I just think also that there's a lot of um, just Andrew you can jump in here too like I I just thought that some of the things that happened was was not traditional J.K. Rowling. I mean, it was no just in terms of the uh, the graphic nature of it and some of the just the weird stuff. I won't say yeah. the other uh, S word, but uh, yeah. it was weird. It was really weird. It is weird because you read this and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the woman who wrote Harry Potter. She can't think these thoughts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's not allowed to. <laughs> Um, Steph, we'll wrap this up. I know everybody doesn't read these, so uh, Ste- Steph also pointed out uh, that there were a couple Potter nuggets in the Silkworm. First of all, Emma Watson was specifically referenced in the Silkworm, which was cool. I believe she was on a magazine cover, and um, she also said, um, Steph also said, the fact that Robin's train, which she almost misses, leaves at eleven o'clock from Saint Pancras, which was Joe's in- inspiration for King's Cross. That that's a bit. Reaching for straw uh, for straws, I think, because uh, because you know this book, the series is set in London anyway. But anyway, uh, there was you a- know how we tell the next time though, Andrew. How if um, you know a Robin walking down the street happens to come across an owl eating bacon on the sidewalk? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen in real life. She has yeah, said that. Is, <laughs> this is set in the real world. She can't do that. It's going to take me out of the book. You anyway. know what? Though? Speaking of being speaking of being set in the real world, Lucian Collins uh, again on Facebook actually mentioned something really cool. So there is a mention of Emma Watson in the book, um, but also the that's kind of um, not an error, but it's a paradox in a way. Because if Emma Watson exists like as a celebrity, it's because of Potter. So if Emma Watson exists, then Potter probably exists, and the person who wrote Potter mm. is Joe and joe then the silkworm exists so it's kind of like you know it's it's like following that train of logic like she mentions emma watson which we all get it because emma's popular now but she you know she's famous for playing Hermione so yeah Harry i mean potter. the uh the potter series could just as easily be mentioned is that what you're saying yeah jk yeah. rowling herself could be mentioned right jk That'd rowling can write about herself being murdered <laughs> wow that's true i guess well, right this solve, is a whodunit series. Your, i mean she wouldn't be the first steven 
Well, Stephen King did it. Um, in I believe the Dark Tower, he had uh, himself oh. kind of actually in his car accident, uh, which he had years oh, and years and years ago. He wrote. He wrote. He later wrote about his car accident and had people time travel and like go back in time and try and stop it. So, as far as what he's, I understand, he's just a sick dude. I'm sorry. Well, uh, ever ever since we saw him at uh, Harry Carey, <laughs> Harry Carey, talking about. <laughs> Uh, pies filled with human flesh. Oh, I mean, it was awesome, dude. It was, no, I mean, they weren't human dude. flesh. I really didn't think that that well, it wasn't John Irving who said that. So if you got that, oh, in your was head, it John I'm, Irving? No, I don't no, think it was I, John Irving. No, it was <laughs> Stephen King. He's. It was anyway. the cherry pie because it was from the stand yeah. or the body. Yeah, it, it was the. It I don't cherries. know. But, uh, but look, um, th- yeah. So this little breaking of the. I guess Potter can exist because this book is being written by Robert Galbraith, right? Is that? Yeah. The counter yeah. is that the counterpoint to this. So that's right. In that world, J.K. Rowling is not Robert Galbraith, and so Robert Galbraith is able to write about J.K. Rowling, like you said, Andrew. He could even she could even make an appearance in the book. But Robert They're, Galbraith right. isn't real in right. real life, so this is also confusing. So let's just move on. Um, we uh, have a little sad news to report: Harry Potter actor David Legano died at the age of fifty. In July, he was found in California's Death Valley after um, he reportedly went on a hiking trip through Death Valley, and I guess he was by himself. Uh, He was found in a remote wash just west of Zabriskie Point. Don't know where that is, but anyway, it was a shame. I mean, he obviously died young. He was only 50 years old. He was Fenrir Greyback in the Harry Potter films. Yes. Um... Rest in peace, Mr. Legano. Indeed, it it serves to show that, that sorry, um, sorry, you know, the uh, elements, nature, very dangerous. You know, just very dangerous. You should probably always have a buddy, but you can never be too safe uh, when you're when you're out hiking and all of that, especially with heat conditions being what they are in Death Valley. Yeah, California's Death Valley, I think, is like one of the hottest places uh, in the United States. So, mm-hmm. uh, just said. Yeah, anytime you get news like that, um, because obviously we've, uh, you know, it, it's still very much a community, I think, and you know, we've we've seen, um, unfortunately, a couple of these, uh, you know, a couple of actors in the Potter series pass away since uh, filming is wrapped. Uh, but uh, you know, to hear about it, just uh, you know, is it's sad, it, in a general sense, it's sad. It, you know, Potter uh, aside, um, so. So anyway, uh, turning to lighter subjects now, we're going to talk about Fantastic Beasts and then Diagon Alley. First of all, Fantastic Beasts, we now know, has a release date. It will be released November uh, 18th, 2016. So, you know, this is actually earlier than I was expecting. I was thinking 2017 at at the very earliest, just because... It seems like we don't know much right now, and I guess, uh, I mean, it still is really far away. It's still over two years away. Yeah. But um, it's kind of worth noting that um, Warner Brothers is going to take over this Hunger Games slot. I mean, this is this is the release date that the Hunger Games is has, uh, starting with Catching Fire and then Mockingjay Part 1 and then Mockingjay Part 2 in, in uh, 2015. So then the following year, that Thanksgiving uh, box office weekend, that's going to go to Fantastic Beasts. So. It's actually also the same, very the very same weekend that Potter opened on in 2001. 
Um, the dates yeah. are two days. The dates are two days off uh, because of the the way the years work with dates. But it's that same weekend, and it's it was like November sixteenth, mm-hmm. two thousand one. Chamber of Secrets was November fifteenth, two thousand two, and Goblet of Fire was November like I think twentieth or something. But it's that same. It's that same exact weekend. It's it's if you count the weeks, it's like week forty uh, ish something. Anyway, every year or no forty eight ish. So. Yeah, it's it's that same week. It's just box office like wise, like studio wise, like that's a great week because you have opening weekend. It isn't during Thanksgiving, but then the success of the film goes into Thanksgiving, and you have kids off from school going to see it. Um, and then the movie is still, if it's successful, it's still in theaters over the Christmas break. It's so it's it's right. as you're saying, Andrew. It's it's perfect for young adult. It's perfect for everybody. I think to still, it's a great position to to be in theaters during both of those holidays. I don't really know as much in, in terms of the filmmaking process. You said you had anticipated possibly 2017. I guess hoping that something would be released in 2015 is 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 way too soon, right? Well, I mean, we could see a teaser trailer by November 2015 with Mockingjay Part 2, maybe. I mean, because Mockingjay Part 2 is going to be huge, so that would be a good place to promote it. But um, I'm just going to go and predict right now that Fantastic Beast Part 2 and Fantastic Beast Part 3 are going to be released November 2017 and November 2018 because that's what Warner Brothers has been doing with The Hobbit. They released the three films a year apart from one another, December right. 2012, December 2013, and this upcoming December 2014. And Yeah, and exactly. And with all the high production times uh, on these films, you know, you can film these with a couple month break in between filming and be working on more than one film at a time, essentially. Yeah. No, I, I think that makes the most sense too, because uh, you know, with something like Harry Potter, uh, specifically, you know, going back to the that film series, uh, you know, you you had something where if there was a two year gap, it was okay. Uh, but I feel like with something like Fantastic Beasts, you're gonna want to kind of keep it within that one year time frame. I think if you let it go for too long, it's just not going to have the same effect. Now we can all, we can all kind of start speculating about what this means for, you know, when we can, when we're going to hear about a director, when we're going to learn about the casting and all that. We unfortunately yeah, I'd, haven't I'd love learned much. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to, I'd love to hear about it uh as soon as possible <laughs> yeah um, um yeah i'm I'm really really curious you know i i think it's going to be like i always imagine well we talked about this at length on previous episodes but i want to see it be like a newt's commander is like an indiana jones type character and like in the past you know going through muggle new york during the roaring 20s there's no i'm sold on the premise like so any bit of detail that gets added to this project is going to serve to excite me and, 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 yeah, you know, for the project, but no idea when we'll get that stuff. I mean, do you think it's unreasonable, Andrew? I wanted to ask you this since you were just at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, it seems like everybody is making their like big announcements or having big things going on there. Like, do you see like Harry Potter, sorry, Fantastic Beasts, like having a panel at San Diego Comic-Con to promote the movie the way that, you know, all these other films, like the superhero films are doing? Yeah, I mean, Harry Potter did it. Uh, I don't know if it was Deathly Hallows Part 1 or Part 2, but Tom Felton showed up to premiere... It was Part 2. Tom Felton showed up to premiere a trailer, 
and uh, then I know we had a we had an interview opportunity with him. So yeah, I mean this is definitely the place to do it, and I think they'll uh, they will at some point. The question is, will it be 2015 or 2016? They could right. announce something in uh, at Comic Con 2015 because they're talking about Batman versus Superman now, and that doesn't come out till 2016. Oh, so yeah. um, well, so yeah, I mean. Like you said, I, I think maybe do a trailer right um, next year, and then the following year you do a panel before the movie comes out. Yeah, I mean, I it depends on when they're going to be filming. So right, right, because they won't have that much content. Yeah. Speaking of filming, we do know they are going to be using Leavesden Studios. Um, that is where they filmed all eight Harry Potter movies. It currently hosts a it currently hosts a making of Harry Potter studio tour, and um. David Yates, funnily enough, is actually filming there right now on um, he's working on a movie. Oh, he's filming Tarzan there right now. <laughs> so so I would David be surprised. Yeah. No, oh, David Yates. Yates. David Yates. Uh, David Yates is Tarzan. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he is Tarzan. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's working in the production offices or consulting on the Fantastic Beast production offices. They got it be working on this to some extent there now with with concept art or something i don't know yeah uh somebody so. sneak in somebody who lives over I in the really uk i really want to know that please uh you know go to the studio tour under the uh strict premise of finding out information for us uh, but i think it's awesome <laughs> though I, I, that they're using leavesden studios i think there's a, a familiarity with it especially if there's a potential for certain actors to come back at some point uh, we got to imagine as we move further on into the uh, into the series here of Fantastic Beasts that there's going to be uh, some sort of overlap, right? And, and yeah, I mean, not not necessarily like a straightforward overlap, like um, you know, actors returning to their exact roles unless they choose to do a flash forward because this is set in the past, um, right? But eventually, the past meets up. Yeah, um, ev- I mean, eventually, with, like with. The present. Though they could also have somebody like, say, Ivana Lynch does, like, Luna's great-great-grandmother. Like, you know, she portrays, like, they make her up to look a little different, but it's still her. Like, that would be cool. Like, Back to the Future style. The only other thing that we know right now is that um, Alfonso Cuaron is not directing Fantastic Beasts. Andrew, uh, I'm sorry. Was... Uh, hmm? I, I was all for this, man. I was I had your back on this man. I was I was blown away when you first suggested it. I thought it was the best thing ever, and I hate Prisoner of Azkaban, but you know as you know. But at the same time, I really was willing to give him a second chance on this. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of I mean, a lot of people were excited, and a lot of people hated this idea. This was reported by um, Deadline initial or no, sorry, the the, the former. She she was let go of Deadline. Uh, Nikki Fink. She reported that Alfonso Cuarón was offered the directing role but then in an interview with digital spy um alfonso said yeah he said quote it was a very beautiful experience for me directing prisoner of azkaban i have a lot of love for that universe and i tremendously admire jk rowling but today for the present projects based around lots of visual effects don't attract me i'm coming out of a five-year process of doing visual effects and now i sort of want to clean my palette of that a little bit of course that's um he's referring to gravity uh, which he did with Warner Brothers and Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts producer David Heyman. So Alfonso appears to be out, even though I personally think that would have been a great idea. 
Yeah. Uh, we talked about it, I think. I don't know if it was the last episode or two episodes ago about how he would probably be a great fit for something like this, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's obviously Gosh. his decision. Now so. I what? can't get my mind off of David Yates now that you connected the dots there with him working there on Tarzan. <laughs> I cannot stop thinking about it. Of course he's there. Of course he's approving stuff for the yeah. film. Yeah. Like, or like but giving I don't it a think once he's gonna, over. I don't think there's any chance he's going to direct, though. Um, but by the way, I think it, I think it is true that Warner Brothers offered Alfonso the, the gig, um, reports that came out after that initial report seemed to suggest that Alfonso, Warner Brothers basically said to Alfonso, whatever you want, you can have, if you want Fantastic Beasts, you can have it, blah, 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 because he's done, he, because Gravity was so successful for Warner Brothers, um, he was just in a great point in his relationship with Warner Brothers where they said if you want Fantastic Beasts or any other movie you can have it here at our studio wow um, but of course he came up with this reasoning he's been in digital effects for a while he doesn't want to go back into it so that's probably the truth he was given he was offered but he was like I'm done staring at CGI all day <laughs> for now <laughs> yeah. you mean they're not real <laughs> Space is real. And I guess um, as we transition real, <laughs> as we transition into Diagon Alley news, um, we should mention a story that's kind of a little further down in the dock. Um, in an interview with uh, USA Today, Diagon Alley art director Alan Gilmore said that the creatures in um, one of the shops at Diagon Alley, Magical Menagerie, are, quote, the first time that the beasts have been visualized. He said it will give visitors a peek at the next wave of Harry Potter. So maybe, maybe these photos, the, these, these beasts that you see in the magical, magical menagerie shop are early renderings for creatures in the Fantastic Beasts movie. Maybe. <laughs> it, yeah, I love this article. It's It's really bold to think that they're sneaking these characters in right under Harry Potter fans' noses. Um, it's, it's kind of like a San Diego Comic-Con preview, but everybody expects it there. So instead, it's like, well, here's this world of Harry Potter, and we're just going to put stuff in like the upper levels that you can't get to, but you can look up and see. And it's going to be these creatures that we're working on. There you go. <laughs> it's like, we need to fill the space with something. Why not be it like pre-vised, like creatures for this upcoming film trilogy or however many yeah. it's going to be. Uh, and when I was, when I was there for the media stuff, I, when I was in this shop and I took these pictures that you see in the article, um, it was brought up to me by one of the people working in that particular store that they have a copy of fantastic beasts on hand that the, the JK Rowling book that, you know, is in, uh, that is, was published years ago. They have a copy of that on hand in case they need to look up, anything for customers who come in and it's specific to this store so that's another little interesting tidbit i guess if you walk in and you say to one of the people there hey what's that purple thing with the two unicorns <laughs> they'll yeah. open up their book and they'll say oh this is a crumple horn snorkack <laughs> creature <laughs> that luna lovegood was searching for with her father you you know what's funny is um I know I, we we definitely do want to talk about everything in Diagon Alley but speaking specifically about Magical Menagerie I think this is like this is located like at the top of the hill right next to Gringotts is that right 
Um, yes. Yeah, you okay. go up and then you make a left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in here and they have a lot of stuff like plush versions of the different animals. There's like a scavers. I think there's like a fluffy. There's a fluffy fluffy. So that was pretty cool um, <laughs> for a three-headed dog. But the funny thing is um, we were traveling through Diagon Alley. It was, it was late at night because it was part of uh, Leaky Gun's um, night event inside the park. And uh, somebody I was with, her name is Alyssa, Alyssa Jeanette. She works on the MuggleNet book blog. But she said uh, she, we, she, we were in Magic and Menagerie for like a minute. And uh, she went in before I did. I was walking in and she was walking out. She said, they don't have rat tonic. And I thought, for, for, all, of, for, all, of the, uh, for all of the consumerism that exists in this Harry Potter park, that's a missed opportunity. Like the one missed opportunity that they're not selling the rat tonic that Hermione or sorry, Ron tries to get for scabbers. I thought it was a funny funny little but what would you do with rat tonic i don't it could be water for all i care you just buy it (laughs) it's like you go into magical menagerie and you just buy rat tonic because that's what ron tried to do in the books Mm. or he did in the books i don't know okay but eh, it's a funny memory i wanted to share so um i guess we'll start with uh some basic information diagon alley opened in uh, the first week of July at Universal Orlando, it's located at Universal Studios. That is the park neighboring Islands of Adventure. Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley are in two separate lands. They are connected by a working Hogwarts Express, which we will talk about a little later on. And uh, there was the there was the media preview. Then there was the grand opening, and then there was that LeakyCon event that um, Eric just mentioned. So let's start with the big thrill ride. Well, or how about let's start about your feelings when you first enter. Well, Andrew, we have to wait four hours if you want to talk about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I knew he was going to joke about that. I knew it. Okay, so let's get a fast pass for that. And in the meantime, <laughs> okay. let's talk about. So you, you come up to Diagon Alley. It's in the back of Universal Studios and you're greeted by the London waterfront. You you can see Creature peeking out the window. The night bus is there with the conductor. But I want to talk about that moment that you walk through the brick wall. You don't really walk through, but whatever. You walk through this little tunnel and around <laughs> a corner and you have to walk. It's interesting. You have to walk a little further once you get through the brick wall to get past this bridge that's over top Ugh. and then you can see the dragon with the shops on the left and right how was that experience for you guys it was uh you know it's interesting because i remember that that feeling when you first went to uh the wizarding world and got to see hogwarts right because i mean that that really is the most iconic piece that you could possibly include in the park uh, and I remember walking through um, with with a couple of people, some who were legitimately breaking down in tears, um, you know, as you enter uh, through the gates of um, Hogsmeade and the train is there and, and the music is playing. And, um, you know, Diagon Alley, though, it, it's just has such unbelievable detail. And I think that's not to take anything away from from Hogsmeade, um, but I think that just the that you could really sense the time and the energy and the effort that went into creating this place. Uh, it, it's almost like they looked at what they did initially and said, we're going to do it a hundred times better um, from that standpoint. Uh, and I think that, you know, to just see that, 
you know, to, to as you mentioned, you know, you walk through and then you see the dragon all the way down at the end of, of, of that corridor and on top of the bank. Um, but I was just blown away by by the rich detail. And I know that the space itself is approximately the same size as um, as Hogsmeade, but you don't get that feeling. I mean, this feels much more expansive. It feels like you have much more room to, to walk around in. Uh, and there's just so much more to see. Even though there's only one ride, there's still so much more to see, and I think that that may have been what uh, the original park was lacking. I think it had it had too much in, in terms of, of rides and, and not enough for Potter fans to kind of just sit and experience. Well, I, I would agree definitely with the detail, too, um, as Micah said. And size-wise, I think... They are comparable, but there's no. I mean, that includes the the size that the the dueling dragons and the the hippogriff ride take up. So if you include that, like that, so it, it is actually bigger areas where you can walk. There are more of them um, as a result of that. So I like this this little offshoot area. They call it Carkit Market, um, and I like that there's Nocturne Alley where you can go down. But there is just a lot more stuff to to see and. Part of it has to do with Diagon Alley being, you know, the sort of the shopper's mecca um, in the Wizarding World that there are these signs on top of signs on top of signs for all the different things that you can get or all the storefronts. I mean, I, I was looking, it was fairly late into the evening, and I was walking by uh, the same sort of corridor between Carcat Market and kind of like heading towards the leaky cauldron where I had like walked past like five or six times before. And just like out of the corner of my eye, I see something like really gross in the window. Turns out it was your reflection. No, <laughs> thank you. Jackass. Sorry. Sorry uh, it, it was, was too easy. No, I know. I know. I know. It's uh, it was pickled eels. Like they were, it was this mm. little like shop selling or storefront advertising eels that were baked into a pie and eels that were like on a scale and they were slimy and they weren't moving, thank God. They were just, you know, rubber or whatever it was. But it's just like looking in and I'm like, who, this is not visually pleasing. Who would design this? But then I'm thinking it just fully, it sort of fleshes out the world is all I'm trying to say. So um, definitely A++ for, for, the, for the details here um, in Diagon Alley. One of my what favorite... What do you think, Andrew? Well, one of my favorite moments was that when I went in, they had this preview night event. And just going in, uh, me and my friend, we ran straight to um, uh, the Gringotts attraction to do that. But then afterwards, just going in and out of the shops and sort of just losing yourself in the land because you had no idea where everything was because it's all brand new. So just I just loved like turning the different corners and seeing things for the first time. It's just you felt. Like you, you really did feel like you're in Diagon Alley because it, you're just completely 360 degree experience throughout, and you have no clue where everything is. You're just like, what's this way? Let me discover for myself by just walking there. Um, th that was one of my favorite parts about it. Um, the level of detail I think is increased over Hogsmeade. I mean, going into Hogsmeade now after Diagon Alley, it's just it they they do not seem comparable to me. Um, no. Um, Which is funny because Universal is the older park, and <laughs> right. you expect something like Diagon Alley to be in Islands of Adventure. Well, so. no, well, yes, but but also there's always like the going home feeling of going back to Hogsmeade. Like Hogsmeade, yeah, I, 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not downplaying it at all. No. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I still think that there's something very special about being in the Hogsmeade side of it. Yeah. I, of I think especially for us, you know, it, it was it, it was something that we all kind of experienced together for the first time mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And well, I think well now that, you can take the train there. Now you can take the train <laughs> there, but. Uh, I was just, uh, you know, Andrew, you, and both you guys said it. I mean, the detail was amazing. I could probably go back there and and spend time looking at things that I would not have even noticed on first glance, and uh, I probably could spend more time there. You know, I didn't, I didn't even get to enough of the the different, um, you know, uh, shops and other things like that that um, were there, and mm-hmm. you know, I, especially at night, I think. First of all, at night, I mean, it's amazing to walk around there, but uh, you know, it doesn't do much for pictures, uh, which I was very much kind of looking forward to capturing a lot of photos the way that I did when uh, I'd gone over to uh, Hogsmeade uh, for the first uh, time right. or so. so. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the really cool things I think they didn't have to do it, they did it anyway, was the addition of Nocturne Alley and uh Borgen and Burks and you know that th- just again you know the way that they were able to set this whole thing up uh so that you're 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 completely immersed in the world you feel like you're really there and it's air conditioned yes nocturne alley the fact that it's air conditioned and completely out of the sun i think is a response to the complaints i mean i don't know if th- th- there had to be complaints about this there's really like no shade in Hogsmeade other than that allery. Um, right. I mean, people were standing out in 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 direct sunlight, waiting to get into Alvanders. I mean, it, it's it's rough there. There's there's no shade. Whereas with Diagon Alley, the buildings are a lot taller, so there's less direct sunlight in Diagon Alley during the day. Carcat Market is shaded, and Nocturne Alley complete darkness and air condition. I mean, if if you're there visiting with kids. And you don't want to be out in the hot sun. You can just chill in Nocturne Alley. It's dark Literally. and depressing in there, but at least you're cool. <laughs> well, and not getting sunburnt. Yeah, it's and, just, I don't know. And with Carkin Market, uh, you you know, it's it's not complete darkness and it's not air conditioned, but it is shaded and it's a big open area. Well, I I, I also wanted to say too in Nocturne Alley, like. You know, they have those interactive wand challenges, or not challenges, but those interactive wand points. Like, this is one of the coolest things. And they've gone back and added some, you know, to Hogsmeade, apparently. But um, I didn't get a, a wand, but I saw them in action multiple times across the park. And, you know, in Nocturnality, there uh, is like a chorus of shrunken heads inside one of the, the windows that will sing and talk and laugh and and all this other stuff when you point your wand at it. And, you know, little touches like that really um, please me. I know in uh, Borgen and Burks, there is, of course, a vanishing cabinet. I mean, it's it's just like you'd go in there and you expect it to be there, and then it is. And then you're just like, <laughs> ah, collective sigh. You know, like there's yeah. this like sigh of relief. And additionally, there's um, – just like you were saying, on top of magical, magical menagerie, uh, with all of those creatures, you know, sort of hidden up above, you get that. I mean, in Nocturnally and Borgen and Burks, there's a whole display case of things that you can't buy. They're just like dark objects setting the scene for that store. Like, you know, there's tons of T-shirts and stuff on the outer walls, but then when you first walk in, there's this huge glass case, and like all you can do is look at things that are like you know, stabbed with nails. And I think the Deathly Hallows are in there too. 
Um, Morgan and Burks is the hot topic of the wizarding world. I've yes. decided. Yeah. Or uh, Horcruxes are in there, not not Deadly Hallows. But uh, really just the, the the level of detail again, uh, you know, in these shops, Weasley's Wizard Weasley's is another big one. Um, I mean, it's short, so, it's kind of small, you know, it's like because yeah. the second and third floors are loaded with stuff. You just can't go up, you know, up there to see it. So let's talk about Escape from Gringotts. This is the main attraction there. There's there's really only one ride in Diagon Alley, and this is it. I mean, if you're not counting the Hogwarts Express. Um, Escape from Gringotts, you go through a queue themed to Gringotts Bank, of course. They have that beautiful lobby. Um, I will say there's one problem with this attraction, and it's the photo op. Um, as soon as you <laughs> get inside the bank through the... Um, the queue, uh, the, the the bank lobby with all the goblin bank tellers. You go through this area where all you do is stand in front of wood paneling and you take a picture <laughs> of you and your friends. And, and that's it. They take the photo for you, of course. It's like this old school camera. And then you get it printed at the end of the ride with, um, you know, a, a border around it. And you can also get a photo ID like your Gringotts photo <sighs> badge i thought that part was cool but 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 just the the, this whole photo op is just not well done i hate to say it but it's true and part of the problem is that this ride that you actually go on is basically all screens there's nothing real inside the ride so there's nothing to take a photo op with during the ride well, it's 3D, so the, the issue is, I think, the reason there's not an on-ride photograph, and this is something that was kind of like a developing conversation as we were, you know, as you do when you're waiting four hours in line. One of the people we were with, uh, Amanda Walters, um, who I first met at the MogoCast that we did in Down Under in Australia, you know, was with us in line, and she had ridden it once before. And so she was able to tell us, well, this is a 3D ride, you know, and and I said, is there an on-ride photograph? And she's like, well, I won't spoil you, but no, there's not. And so it's three, it's 3D, it's 3D, but like, so she, she meant like, cause you do get your photo taken, but it's in line, like you're saying. I mean, with, with us wearing glasses, that ruins or would ruin any kind of, you know, on-ride photograph that they would do. You know, because we'd, we'd all be wearing glasses. So that's my only thing with that. But I will say also, John, John Noe and uh, Frankie Franco uh, from Pottercast, as well as Bree Bishop, were all in line, and they tried to break the record for most people in one of those Gringotts photos. Uh, so you oh, have yeah. to see, yeah, go look at their. They had a group of like easily fifteen to twenty people, and they all fit in into one of those shots. So I, I Did will they say, do that so they could afford the cost of the photo, which is like <laughs> thirty forty dollars. It's ridiculous the cost. The, yeah, I mean, I hate to. This is like uh, what is it like Pottermore, where we just open up by bashing it and never let up. Um, <laughs> it's typical theme park prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Typical theme. I park enjoyed prices. the ride. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, look, so, the ride is great. But I, I did want to talk about this this part in line. So you mentioned the photos, but that's the one area in line when I felt like the line was moving too fast. Um, because as you're walking along that corridor right after you take the photo, they have all these uh, daily profits and stuff. And it actually, like, we got shuffled. And there's the offices of, like, Griphook and Ragnarok or Ragnarok or whatever that is. 
and like a few other things. So I, I mean, the whole queue is themed, but I felt that that moment in particular, like the pacing wise, you know, on Forbidden Journey, you can like walk all the way through Defense Against the Dark Arts if there's no line and miss the fact that Harry, Ron, and Hermione come in under the invisibility cloak. Like, it's like that, but only you just, so there's more detail and I would need to go back through the line to really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought we were very much rushed through there. I think the photograph blinds you too. So it's a good thing you don't go right onto the ride <laughs> after taking the fo- photograph. I mean, uh, but I was really looking forward to, yeah, taking a little bit of time to look at um, some of those daily profits to, uh, to look in some of the offices because I think they even had some things going on there, right? Yeah, yeah I'm sure yeah. they did with with all the detail that they put in in different places. I mean, I don't know that we touched on it, um, but when when you're actually inside the the bank for the first time um, with all the goblins around, uh, and you know, it's it's such a at least to me looks like an exact replication of the film because you have that huge chandelier yeah um above you uh which i'm sure cost a uh, pretty penny to uh to put in there so that's why we're paying yes. 30 dollars all for the a, ugly a pennies photo. were cast out it, yeah. it's uh, it's beautiful that that whole bank entry area it's just gorgeous yeah but yeah the the ride um we were in the front the very very front um so at, there was one point that i thought that <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it, but uh, <laughs> were you oh scared? Jesus! Thank you for telling me this now. Well, yeah. Better I tell you that now than while we're actually. On yeah, the and ride. I find out. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, no, because we were in the front, and there's this one point where it completely dips forward, and you're like suspended out into space, basically. You know what I'm talking about, Andrew? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. That's the most exciting part. <laughs> right, but I, what I was saying was I was concerned about the actual security of you know, making sure that I didn't fall out. Um, You're it, good. That, that, was, um, that was cool, though. I, I thought it was uh, overall, I mean, I thought it was it was fun, especially sitting up front. I didn't know if I was going to be able to handle it, but uh, I made it. Well, so I, too, was a little nervous about the intensity of the ride. I thought they may have wanted to make it more intense than Forbidden Journey over in Hogsmeade, and I, I thought Forbidden Journey was pretty intense. I'm, I'm, I don't like coasters or anything like that, so I don't like coasters with loop-de-loops, I'll say. So um, I, this ride was more family-friendly family than Forbidden Journey was, and I liked that about it. Um, I thought it was a good story. It you see Bellatrix and Voldemort together at one point. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter and Ray Fiennes filmed scenes for this sequence, and it was awesome. Um, yeah, seeing them together, you know, reunited again, you could say, was just fantastic. Um, it, it, it there are a couple moments where you really do um, thrust forward or shake or. Uh, role, but it w- it just wasn't as intense as Forbidden Journey, and I liked that about it. I think they purposely made this a little more family friendly. It it is but a tamer ride, but it you know it's like, yeah, yeah. But I just also want to say it's it's uh, you kind of expect it to be more intense when there's a giant dragon on top of the attraction. <laughs> so yeah, and and the dragon didn't play overly prominently into the ride you know i was expecting more to kind of be chased around uh by the well you only like get caught on its tail and escape gringotts while on its back 
No, <laughs> but I'm saying in terms of it being antagonistic. Oh. It, it wasn't like that's what you were going in there to do battle against. It ended up being more of those uh, stone statues. and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and Voldemort and Bellatrix. I mean, I was just shocked because I, I think – I mean, I must have missed the news story, but I realized that – I think Helena Bonham Carter and Rupert Grint had said they filmed scenes for the ride. I was not expecting to see Rafe Fiennes there. I was not expecting to see... I wasn't either. Spoiler alert. Like, I wasn't... Ex- oh, I'm glad. I'm glad it's not just me because <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see Harry and Hermione either. And I, I realized it's it's possible that that wasn't filmed, that it was just, like, digitized. But, you know, it would have been... I was like, what possible scenario will they pull out of this if only half the actors agreed to come back? So the official answer is that Dan Radcliffe did not film uh, – Dan Radcliffe and Emma Watson did not film new things for Diagon Alley, and that includes the Hogwarts Express, whereas Rupert Grint did. Um, and if we're done talking about um, Gringotts, then maybe he's now now's a good time to talk about the Hogwarts Express. You do actually see Ron during your train uh, ride. He like from- pokes his head up against the glass. Yeah, yeah, and he's allegedly with Harry and Hermione, but Hermione does not sound anything like Emma Watson. No. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but they yes. need to change that voice stat. Absolutely. They they need to do it. It it is it is not a question of if, but when. <laughs> uh see, we were on the train with uh two Bugglenut staffers, Michael Harley and John Jeanette, who do audio fictions, the audio fictions podcast, and they both in fact, I think even I could do a better Hermione than the Hermione that – it's true. I'm sorry. It's true. I hate to be brutal. I hate to be <laughs> ridiculously honest. But that that Emma Watts – that sorry, that Hermione is – is it just takes you out of it. It really does. Plus, you don't see her. So it's just – it's like her silhouette and then you're like, well, she's responding to Ron the way that Hermione would. But there's no way that that's Hermione. So – Look, I, I don't know how much money they offered Emma to return that she turned it down. I don't know if she was just busy that week, but they need to rectify that. That's the one complaint I have over the entire park. Wow. Is they, that, need uh, to, they, need... they need to just go to Emma again and be like, look, please, 10 minutes will give you 10 grand <laughs> yes. to just say five words. <laughs> it makes a difference. It does. Yeah. I mean, would you agree that it makes it? Yeah. I mean, we, we make a big difference. Yeah. Um, but so Hogwarts Express, there's two – depending on which direction you're going, there's different things happening out your window and there's also different things happening outside of your door, which I thought uh, – that was a touch I wasn't expecting and it works really well because yeah. the door, you open it to get inside of the train car, which also is very realistic by the way. The level of detail was amazing. Um, so for the mm-hmm. for the door to shut and like have stuff happening through it, you know through uh i don't know what you would call that like fogged glass or something yeah uh, something like that but it it was really cool i, um, I like the idea that there was stuff happening on both sides of you and it was different like it was you know like um yeah. even i think even uh on the way back to ha- uh Diagon Alley from hogsmeade uh the the twins um Throw, blow up some fireworks and you can like see the reflection of them like in the other like window to your right so like that's cool um, I don't know the, how – I'm curious how, how the whole experience was for you guys in terms of how seamless it was. Um, when I wrote it, I mean you get in, you sit down for like maybe 30 seconds to a minute, then the train's rolling. And then you get there, everything that's happening on the screen stops, the doors open, 
and you walk right out immediately. I was expecting some delays where like you're sitting in the train car for extra long periods of time before or after the ride, <laughs> but it was just seamless. And then it's just so amazing. Like the, the first ride that I took was Diagon Alley to Hogsmeade. It's just incredible that you ride on this train and then you get off and you actually have moved. You are actually in a different part of the Universal Resort. And it kind yeah. of blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is really cool. And I agree that it's seamless. And honestly, like I was having this debate before we ever saw the park. I was wondering because, again, I was talking with people who were already there. And they were like, you know, the Hogwarts Express isn't really a ride. And I was like, what do you mean? The Hogwarts, what do you mean the Hogwarts Express isn't a ride? They're like, well, it gets you from point A to point B. So I was like, because it's a mode of transportation, it's not a ride. And I was like, I'm going to argue this. So when I finally wrote it, I was extremely pleased. Not only is the queue highly detailed uh, and the King's Cross, you know, going through the platform effect is really fun to do, especially with friends. You pretty much need a buddy because somebody has to hold the camera while you run through the platform, right. you know, and to stand right. back in line. But all of this, like, I think the ride, I think the line of a ride counts just as much. And both, you know, trips from Diagon Alley to Hogsmeade, Hogsmeade to Diagon Alley are different. Like, there's, mm-hmm. there's no way in my mind that that is not a ride. But, you know, it was kind of a dialogue I was having with people even while riding the ride. But the fact that you can go in, you can sit down, you can put your stuff up on the racks. And we took turns, you know, in the 30 seconds or so before the ride started to poke up on the racks and look for Harry concealed in invisibility cloak. Like, <laughs> we're just like, that's like what, that's the response that was like immediately evoked in us by how realistic these train cars were. So poo-poo on anybody who says this isn't a ride. The question is only like where to place it, you know, like in terms of, well, there's only one ride in Diagon Alley. Well, yeah, it's not a thrill ride. It's a... It's an experience. I mean, I, I yeah. think that, uh, you know, it's it's certainly not the equivalent of getting on the monorail at Disney and going from one park to the other. I mean, the the reality is that... They wanted this to be an experience for people. And, you know, the fact that you can get on the train, like you mentioned, Andrew, the, and, and, and it's moving within at most a minute, right, uh, f- from when you're sitting down and your door closes, that it only takes a couple minutes to get to the other park. Uh, I think it's it's just uh, it's cool. I, there's There's no other way to describe it. And, Eric, you pointed out how... You know, there's there are noticeable differences both looking out the window and through the door on each of the trips, and you know I don't think we'll we'll spoil that too much because I think for people who want to go and experience it, they True. should get a chance to have that happen firsthand. But uh, just being able to go and do that with friends uh, and and just experience the whole thing, I mean, I think. Uh, you you also touched on the the platform nine and three quarters going through the barrier. I mean, I remember seeing Andrew mm-hmm. when you posted to Instagram yep. when you first did it. I uh, screamed a couple weeks ago. I screamed. <laughs> you screamed. <laughs> is it painful? Uh, it's like, but yeah. I wonder how easily that is for other people to do because um, you know when we initially waited in the line uh, to get over to uh, to Hogsmeade, it was it, it, there was still. Um, muggles in the park, right? It wasn't this the separate event for yeah for for LeakyCon, so it was moving very very quickly uh, to um, the point where I don't think you could ever really capture something if you wanted to. It was only when uh, you know we came back, right? Did we come back? Yeah, yeah, we came I, back, and it was it was kind of on our way out of Kings Cross, like from Hogsmeade, that we got to because there was nobody in line then. 
uh, the park closed. It's a little unrealistic, you know, during the day to think that, you, you know, you could have a friend stand back in line because there's maybe 20 to 25 feet of line ahead of you between going through the platform. And maybe that's low or maybe that's well, high. It's maybe like 15 Well, it should feet. be said – you. So to in order for this effect to work, your friend has to be standing, like Eric was saying, like maybe 25 feet back to point the camera in a certain direction right. through an object so that they can capture you going through the quote unquote wall. It's a smoke and mirrors type of trick. Um, I mean, so, it's heck of cool. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's, it is it's, cool. Who would have thought of that? You know, it's great. But, it, you know, I do think that it benefits, you know, from a closer inspection. Same with the... The ride at Green, you know, the line at Green Gods or the queue or even the park, like you, you do need to spend some time. You're not going to get all the details or all the um, uh, opportunities just, you know, sort of by yourself or in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, and I just also want to add to this that that when the train pulls into the station, it's so cool. And uh, and, and well, just which seeing station? it. Well, both. I mean, one station, it, it has to back in. So that's kind of lame. But the other station, when it just pulls in, it just and even when it backs in, I mean, just seeing the train alive, actually moving. This thing is even bigger in person, I think. Like, I don't think any picture does it justice until you're actually there seeing it with the smoke billowing out and whatnot. Um, it, it, it It's so cool. And, you know, the, the whole backing in in one of the stations, the Diagon Alley side, it has to back in. Because it only goes one direction. It's one track. Um, but I don't know. It didn't bother me. I still thought it was cool. This was pointed out to me by um, either uh, Greg or Lee from the um, Unofficial Universal podcast, uh, who did a small interview with me after we went into the park. But they're like, you know, real trains actually do back in. Like, you don't you don't realize it, but like trains back in all the time. Oh. Um, well, there you go. So don't yeah. complain. It's just the best example of like having to set my expectations lower because I was like, <laughs> man, the train is ridiculous. You back in because like if you're going from Diagon Alley to Hogsmeade for the first time and the train's not there yet when you get in that room, you're like you're waiting mm -hmm. for it and you're expecting like the billowing smoke. But because it pulls in backwards, all you see is like the ass of the train and then like <laughs> then it comes in and then you see the smoke. But I was on the it's other a great end. ass. Yeah, I was on the I was on the other end in Hogsmeade when it pulled in and I got again, I got that video and it's smoke and it's so yeah, it's 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 just the thing. And then I guess it pulls out backwards when you're over in Hogsmeade, but I didn't I didn't see that happen. But look, mm -hmm. it's just it's a ride they couldn't possibly build. I mean, we knew they were crammed for space and who knows what it's going to be like in in LA, you know, in in uh in that park cuz Andrew you always said that that is crammed They're for space. They're not building but, the train. Oh, okay, because they weren't going to build, like, a turnaround yeah, no. point for it, right? Like, it's just not... No, no. You would no. need so much more track just to get it to turn, like, to always face front, and that would <laughs> increase wait lines and wait times. All this, this is stuff. a classic Eric topic. <laughs> well, I'm done. I finished my Eric topic. Thank you for letting me do that. No problem. Better better luck with uh, Universal Japan or something. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, There's that, too. Anything? Anything else or like what else do you guys want to? I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but anything else that stuck out to you? I I, I think I I do want to say I think that they listened to feedback concerning 
how Hogsmeade worked. Like I said, adding more shade. I think some of the stores are bigger. I know there's a queue to go into one of the stores. Ollivander's now has a queue, an indoor queue. So I think they, they paid attention to feedback and, and responded to it in the best way possible um, while still maintaining the authenticity that you expect after watching right. the films and reading the books. You know, I... I wanted to mention uh, there were places that I wasn't expecting for adult beverages. Uh, actually, the first place we, we went to Gringotts, but we were debating whether or not we should try uh, riding it because the line was four hours. And so we mulled over that, you know, our thoughts uh, whilst uh, actually waiting in line at the Fountain of Fair Fortune, which is just a, a little shop where you can get a number of beverages, including the butterbeer, but also we got um, Dragon Scale Ale. Um, and so it's, it's nice to, I, I don't know, not having the hogshead in Diagon Alley, it's nice to still have some opportunities for a beer, you know, just while you're thinking and, and, you know, the tall glass yeah. and everything. So, well, yeah. there, there were, there were numerous places to get beer. I mean, uh, of course the Leaky Cauldron restaurant, the Fountain of Fair Fortune, like you mes- mentioned, and then in Karkin Market, there's a, a third place that looks specific to beer. Um, Is but it then I think there's pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hopping pot. It has a. But I think there's even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I think there's even one or two other areas where you can get beer too, and then of course like there's the ice cream place, uh, where you can get uh, the butterbeer ice cream. Butterbeer ice cream was good. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? The butterbeer ice cream. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. Florian Fortescue's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, but I, the the other thing that stood out for me real quick was uh, Bill Weasley. I know we didn't mention this when we were talking about Gringotts, but his office is like the swankiest office ever, <laughs> like for anybody. I was like, you you see this like couch, and you're just like, this is like a Don Draper style. Come into my <laughs> office, executive CEO of a company. I'm going to schmooze you. Like it's just like the coolest uh, scene or part of the queue for for Gringotts ever, and. Donald Gleason, I'm only looking forward to seeing extraordinary things from him in the future. We know he's been cast on the new Star Wars, so um, so thrilled that he said yes to, to doing this. Some crazy press tried asking him about Star Wars at the Diagon Alley media preview. I'm like, what? Are you nuts? <laughs> of course he's not going to say anything. Well, Diagon you followed the Alley. rules. At least you didn't. But what did he say to this person who asked him, who tried? Oh, I, f- I forget. I don't know. Oh, he was okay. like, no, 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 I can't, <laughs> you know, no, I can't say anything, something like that. Still, uh, he so had a big on. presence in, in Gringotts. Again, not spoiling it, but um, it, it's really nice to see uh, to see Bill Weasley again. And um, check out the movie About Time, which he was in. He was awesome. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. Um, but yeah, uh, well, actually, since we did mention Bill, like you said, Eric, a few minutes ago, Harry is in it. Dan is in it. But I think since the official answer is that he didn't actually film anything, I think when you see Dan, it's footage that they had shot for Deathly Hallows because it's it's during a dragon sequence. So um, mm. I think they very cleverly recycled footage that they had shot with Dan. And you know they shot hours of footage yeah. uh, with Dan for Deathly Hallows with the dragon so it makes sense that they would have a bunch of other stuff to work with that you didn't see in the movie um but it worked really well i mean you watch it and you're like oh well he did shoot stuff for this movie that's cool 
But then you hear Emma Watson or quote Emma Watson. You're just like, nope, they definitely didn't do any additional footage. So Zero. Did Emma talk gonna... during Gringotts? And uh, did you notice? Like the voice was off. You know I what? Think she did. I maybe once. It's weird because Bellatrix is talking. Here's something I forgot to mention. So with the three D vo- the three D goggles or whatever, um, they cut off your peripheral vision because they're just like lenses up ahead. And so there's this one scene. It's before that mm. big drop that Mike is talking about, or where you're leaning forward when Bellatrix shows up on like a ledge to your right. And I was looking. I was focusing ahead, and I didn't like see her come out until she started talking. And then it's like she cast a spell that caused you to fall. But, like, I didn't know what was happening, and I had to, like, physically turn my head, and it was kind of jarring. Like, so, I I, I don't know. I don't know if you had that same experience, Andrew, but, like, for I me, the 3D did, did limit the, the, the kind of directions you could look in. Okay. Um, I didn't have that same thought, but I can certainly understand why you did. Yeah. I, I mean, like, Forbidden Journey has, like, the creatures and everything. Like, they're fully realized in front of you. Like, it's actually there. So there is a little bit of difference in terms of how they present the rides to you. Um, but just, I mean, I guess in summary, in closing, uh, I do like the story. I think the story's a little tighter for Gringotts um, that you experience. I like the yeah. multiple parts of the queue. And I think, you know, Forbidden Journey is kind of like a hodgepodge of here are all the creatures and things that you could see at, you know, Hogwarts and versus the escape from Gringotts, which seems to just want to tell one story. In. And so for that, I think that uh, surprisingly the four hours or the three hours that we were in line went quick, do it with buddies, you know, who can monitor your hydration levels, you know, so you don't pass out and miss everything, but, uh, you know, oh, do it God. with a friend. Yeah. Do, do it. Oh, with here's a another tip. Don't go during the summer. Oh yeah. Don't <laughs> so go during the don't... summer. Here's the ever. thing. If, for people who are listening to this, to this and they're considering going, maybe uh, two things. A good time to go is not during the Orlando summer, which is you know May through like September. A uh, good good time to go would be the fall or the winter here in America. And also, I want to mention that Universal just opened up the Cabana Bay Resort. It is their cheapest resort um, of the several that they have on site there. Um, and the rooms are great. I mean, because it's a brand new resort, everything is fresh and new. So if you do want to visit and you do want to save a little money, definitely stay at Cabana Bay because it's very nice for the money. Um, and it, it's the cheapest option if you want to stay on the Universal property. And I think you get the benefit of having early access to the park by staying yes. on property. Yes. room. If it's anything like the other Universal uh, resorts, which are the Lowe's, Portofino Bay, uh, the Hard yeah. Rock is there, and then the Royal Pacific. But I did. Did you stay at the uh, Cabana Bay? I did, and it was fantastic. I mean, awesome. it was just brand new. They have a gorgeous Starbucks there. The Wi-Fi works great. They have a pool. That's um, awesome. Ar- yeah, the arcade, a gym. The, the music playing in the lobby rocked. It was like my type of music. It was like '60s stuff. <laughs> so. I would seriously highly recommend that place, especially if you stay within the next one or two years because it is brand new. So you get the benefit of like all this new furniture and yeah, uh, you know, just ever since I saw the first concept photo of the Cabana Bay, I was like, that is my spirit animal. Like that's right up my alley. Again, me, me and you, 50s and 60s is like such a happy time, you know, It's, it's like you can really relax there so i'm very jealous very very it's, jealous it's colorful yeah so i will definitely stay there if i go again um and we didn't check out city walk too. micah that's one thing we did not do no we didn't get a chance to go down there yeah, yeah but, city uh, walk i mean 
also uh, this summer they opened up new restaurants there. So, uh, you know, they know tons of people are coming back to visit. I guess one question to ask now, like an overall question, is it worth going back? For Let's say you are somebody who visited Hogsmeade <clears throat> already. And uh, should we recommend people go back for Diagon Alley? <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, well, I think even people <laughs> who had been with us uh, for the nighttime preview went ended up going back. Or people who got day passes got four day passes, and and they went back even even in spite of the fact that LeakyCon was still going on and plenty of stuff uh, was happening. People went back to the park day after day after day. And these are people mm-hmm. I I talk to. These are people who I give my phone number to. Like I don't think that they're crazy. But at the same time, they were there day after day after day. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, there's something about it just being a happy place to be. But with the level of detail, with the level of detail raised the way that Micah and Andrew and, and, you know, we said that they, that it has been, it is absolutely worth visiting. There'll still always be Hogwarts and Hogsmeade, but this new section is really, really good. And it's, it's not like, it's not like you could ever get just one a one park pass at Universal anyway. The only cost effective way to do it is to do park hoppers and multiple days. So it really there's there's no reason not to see Diagon Alley. Obviously we would request that, or we would suggest that you just wait until it's a little cooler, like you said, until the lines die down a little bit more. But yeah. But everything there is no, and, and by the way, <clears throat> you do need a park hopper for Hogwarts Express. Yes, they check your ticket, and isn't it funny? I absolutely thought they were just fake and, like, not important, so I just ran, like, right past the people at King's Cross (laughs) that asked to see my ticket, and they were, like, shouted after me, and they're like, no, we actually need to see your ticket. And I was just like, oh, now I get it. Okay. (laughs) Got to obey the rules. Yeah, well, they're so well-positioned because it's like a train station. There are banners there for, like, don't leave your bags unattended, people. And I was just like... It, it gets you right into it, so it's just like, oh, screw these guys. Um, pass the turnstiles. Well, I mean, I would say, you know, if you're planning a vacation to go to Orlando and you're looking to do a bunch of things, I would definitely make a trip over to Diagon Alley. I, I think it's hard to tell people that they should, you know, go there just to go to Diagon Alley. Yeah. Um, if they've already been to the Wizarding World, I, I, I think that. Uh, and that's just uh, you know from my standpoint but if if you're planning on being in Florida or you're planning to take a vacation to Orlando and you know you're doing Disney and and uh you know you know want to do Universal again and I don't know like I, maybe you have relatives down there so you're there a lot I, I, but I, if you can and you you're, you're able to afford it I mean I would definitely recommend going to to the park there's there's no question about it i mean if you're a potter fan i feel almost like you have to go right yeah there's no there's no question about it you're going to love diagonal if you're a harry potter fan no doubt about that um and uh universal recognizes this extra foot traffic they're getting like i mentioned they have this affordable new hotel and they got these new restaurants Somebody uh, on the MuggleCast Facebook asked, um, I lost the question. Uh, I think, oh, they were asking about must-dos at Diagon Alley. I mean, obviously the Gringotts ride, obviously Hogwarts Express. But um, if you have the extra money, I believe the wands, they're kind of pricey. They're $50, but you can do spells with them. So that is pretty fun. 
throughout both lands and uh, mm. just walk around and enjoy the shops. And I guess Butterbeer is another must-do. Bus- you had Celestina Warbeck. Was she there when you were there? Yes, yes. Okay, because right, right? that is a, that is a must-do. She is awesome. Yeah, they have this. They have a live uh, Beetle the Bard stage show, which I didn't see. I, I caught it on YouTube. And then they also have uh, the singer that Eric mentioned, who is Molly Weasley's favorite singer. <laughs> That's right, she is. Well, I, I think so, just in general, the theatrical attractions are a step up above what was in Hogsmeade before. You know, and shaded. Like, yes, and shaded. Yeah. You you get to stand in the shade watching them. You couldn't do that at Hogsmeade. I missed the tale of the three brothers too. I, I'd wanted to see that. So, oh, uh, that's a shame. Zach YouTube. and I, Zach and I, and Gina and everybody caught that. Um, it was like the last thing we did though, because it was at, like the last show was at like twelve fifteen. Mm. But uh, the dragon breathing fire is cool. I know we may not have mentioned oh, that, yeah. but that that is that is cool. You're you're right. That is that is pretty cool. It's a little much for the uh, Orlando summer, but. Uh... <laughs> It's over quick. Maybe, maybe if he breathed ice and fire. Every ten, that would be that would hurt. Or it was just like a fan, that would hurt you know? standing yeah. underneath no. the. No, it was like a big, uh, you know, like they have those fans as you wait in line. Well, you need the, an like, interactive right? wand because there's an umbrella just over by yeah, the restrooms there. That. Yeah, and you can and it That's rains true. if you if you wave your if you stand on the plate and then wave your magical enchanted wand, that it it'll rain on around the edges of the uh, the umbrella, but the uh, the. the, the yeah. There's also a hidden spell at the hopping pot. Uh well right right outside the hopping pot, that mer person, if you do the spell there, it activates a little water thing. Oh cool. Yeah, yeah. I actually tried to get water from that and it didn't work. And <laughs> oh, really? the woman came up to me and said, You need magic and I kinda looked at her, I was like, I want a drink of water. What <laughs> You should have been like, Well, it may need magic, but I don't have fifty dollars to spend on a freaking wand. So hydrate me. <laughs> Aguamenti. That's what you just needed to say the incantation, Micah. And another thing that works is, do you know who I am? That would work, too. Yeah, um, would work. <laughs> do you know who I am? I unfollowed J.K. Rowling. I'm Micah freaking Tannenbaum. That's who I am. Um, you should have just led with that. But uh, the dragon does breathe fire. I think it's every 10 minutes. Um, it may be worth mentioning to people who do want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well... There's probably so much more to say about Diagon Alley, but we won't say it on this episode. We'll say it on episode 275 when we're talking about the third expansion. <laughs> um, it's what about 274? Uh, when will that fall into the grand schedule? I, I don't know. When the Fantastic Beast director is announced? or oh, that, okay. That's probably the next big thing, unless J.K. Rowling drops an encyclopedia announcement or something. I would imagine that's the... <laughs> yeah. So that's it. But, you know, I could I could foresee us starting up episodes with some regularity once all the Fantastic Beast madness begins. It's still a long ways away, but... Oh, gosh. Do you know we almost didn't talk about this? Uh, tomorrow, uh, August 5th, right, is the anniversary of MuggleCast. Oh, yep. no kidding. Well, yeah, like nine... by me. Nine years. Nine nine years for, for Andrew, anyway. Um, and Mike and I came in later in the month, but... Uh, the first, well, it still counts. Yeah, the first muggle. Like <laughs> this is our this is our month, fellas. Unbelievable. I'm looking at the show notes. It says the first episode was August seventh, two thousand five. Oh, same weekend so, though. Same same yeah, same week. Close enough. <laughs> same week number. Close enough. Well, the first episode yeah. was myself, Kevin, and Ben, and then uh, Mike and Eric joined on a few episodes later, two thousand five. Yeah. So. 
Well, we'll well, have to do an episode next year for the 10th anniversary. Uh, That's right. That's right. We will. So happy uh, anniversary to MuggleCast. You know, I will say in closing, we did get a lot of people at LeakyCon come up and say very nice things about MuggleCast. Um, So I want to thank everybody who, you know, came out. We didn't do a meetup. We couldn't get it on the schedule in time. And Andrew was not there. So we could not do that. But (laughs) we did hear from some of you that were listening. And we want to thank you for your support. And thank you for continuing yeah, continuing to listen uh, to us throughout uh, all of this time. Absolutely. We will be back in the future. I guess for now we should tell everybody where we are until next time. I'm at Hypeable, and we do our podcast over there, Hype, talking about general entertainment stuff, fandom stuff, including Harry Potter. Uh, so visit Hypeable.com. Freshly redesigned. Mm-hmm. Eric and Micah, what are you guys up to? And at Sims, right, on Twitter? At I saw Sims you, on Twitter. That's right. You recently received another... Um, inquiry about the sims game Uh, (laughs) i am often confused with the sims video game the sims 4 is coming out soon so the confusion has only increased (laughs) i'm I'm totally expecting a an andrew sims expansion pack for the sims like i i want them to be you know like you should be a playable character although i guess Mm -hmm. you could be if anybody would you know if you would just make yourself as a sim well uh you can find i'm always down to play at uh, MJTBAUM on Twitter. I think that's probably one of the first times I've ever plugged my Twitter on uh, on this show. But uh, why the hell not? Are you like J.K. Uh, Rowling? Are you starting to use it all of a sudden? I do use Twitter okay. for the most part. Okay. Don't I? Yeah, you do. Not a, I was just kidding. Enough. I was just kidding. Oh. I don't follow her. <laughs> not yet Still. because she didn't reply to you. You're she didn't reply to me. You're scoring. Even though it was retweeted or favorited or what have you over like 100, 200 times. Yeah, we did pretty good with that. Um, so, uh, But uh, right now uh, working on our uh, Game of Thrones podcast, Game of Owns, which was uh, did our second live show actually down in Orlando uh, during LeakyCon. Had a, a great group of people come out. And uh, you can find us on all the uh, social media using Game of Owns. That keeps it pretty mm-hmm. easy, right? Yep, and I can be found on Twitter mm-hmm. at uh, Spielerman, S-P-I-E-L-E-R-M-A-N, uh, nickname never gets old, and uh, I tweet over there, and I'm also a podcast host on Game of Owns and MuggleNet's Alohomora, where we're currently reading through book five. Um, such so that that long book that we never quite got through all of in chapter by chapter on this show. We're doing it over there, and I think we're going to make it in another year or so. So it's a weekly show. Definitely check them out. Um, yeah, and uh, thanks to everybody who who already does. It was fun hanging out with Kat and Caleb. We had some time to catch up from MuggleNet while uh, uh, I was down oh, there in Diagon the Alley. Thing. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, the only Muggleland people I've seen in a while, so we hung out a few times. It was good. I wish I had made it to San Diego, too. I have to do that one of these years. Well, maybe uh, next year or the year after for whatever Fantastic Beast stuff they, that, that they do there. That's the truth. That is true. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can go to MuggleCast.com and, you know, follow us on our social media. We're still active on the MuggleCast social media, Twitter.com yes. slash MuggleCast, and facebook.com slash mugglecast which has 51,000 52,000 likes by the way uh it's doing quite well with the growth <laughs> still not, yep not too shabby not not shabby at all not too shabby um so thank you everybody for listening i'm andrew sims i'm eric skull and i'm mike tannenbaum <laughs> we'll see everybody next time for episode 274 goodbye
Happy anniversary, MuggleCast.